welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We are excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, welcome to your Wednesday podcast. Today we are sitting at the kitchen table and we're excited to um, look at 1 Peter chapter 3 with you. And uh, yeah, ready to dive ding, in. Ding, ding. Real quick, what was the highlight of your birthday? Thank you all for sending birthday wishes and you celebrations guys. to Bobby. Oh, go, baby, go, oh. baby, go. Okay, I'll be back. All right, we got, we got someone who's got to go potty. Um, all right, First Peter chapter 3. Um, what I want to say before we look at the scripture, actually, is I want to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, is he says it is really, really important for us to marry people who are like-minded in the faith. This is what it says again, in, in, um, specifically. He says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What can fellowship ha- light ha- or what fellowship can light have with darkness? <laughs> Sorry, we're clicking on all cylinders here. And what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Essentially, what he's saying here is, like, don't be yoked with unbelievers. I'm going to apply this specifically to marriage real quick. And as you, if you're single and you're listening to this, the the top priority that should be on your checklist when you're looking at who do I want to marry should be someone who really loves Jesus and loves Jesus more than they love anybody else in this world. Paul's warning here is saying, hey, don't be unequally yoked because there's going to be all kinds of pain and frustrations and difficulties coming uh, when you do this. And it's not that it can't be done, but he's just saying, if you have a choice, this is the way of God that you're being invited into. Mm. And why I say this now is because when you look at the beginning of First Peter 3, Paul <laughs> is talking about this relationship between husband and wife, man and woman, male and female. And on it, uh, he references a number of things that I would say would not be considered um, exciting conversations. Yeah, people today. don't like to talk about people this. People don't want to talk yeah. about submission, um, these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so, as you look at it, th- what's happening now is people are coming into the Christian community that maybe got married before they were followers of Jesus. Sure. And now one of them became a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, well, what do I do? Right. And Peter gives them some explanation and teaching on what that path forward could look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the way of Jesus. And so that's another reason why it's hard for everybody. So that doesn't mean if, if you're a single person, if you're a married person, it's one of those things where living as a living sacrifice, dying to yourself daily, um, that's, that's the call. And so what that means though, if you are married or if you have a family or whatever, is that there's other people involved. So if you're single, it's you and the Lord and that's hard enough. Thank you, kids. I have to draw on it. Okay. So what's going on here though, is there's, so my version sounds like this. Likewise, wives be subject to your husbands so that even if someone does not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see a respectful and pure conduct. And so Peter goes on and he talks about um, what you wear externally versus how you are being formed internally Mm -hmm. and what beauty really means. And so really uh, Clark and I have talked about this so many times with 
couples class within our own marriage. We talk about how this word like be subject to and submission is just like a dirty word like that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and now, um, the call of that though, unto Christ is one of great humility and it's one Amen, Kit. Preach sister. And it's not, so this is speaking specifically to wives, but later on, uh, Paul says, uh, speaks to husbands, and then also later on here, Peter does too. And so it's really a call for both people, like Clark's saying, being yoked together, loving, submitting to each other in these specific ways while you follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's the kicker there, folks. So Uncle Ken talked about the word yoked a couple sermons ago and just understanding how important it is. That's one of the things Clark's dad, actually, he was the ordained pastor that married Clark and I. And at the beginning of our wedding, he just said, this is the, if not the, one of the most important decisions you're ever going to make in your life. Yeah. And at the same time, I'll say this. Now, Bobby Corvey should also be one of the easiest decisions. And so one of the heaviest, one of the biggest, most, one of the most important, one of the, one of the easiest. Because one of the, one of the ways you, we look at people is by the fruit they bear in their life. Yeah. Anyway, and so that's what Peter's getting at is the fruit that a, a marriage bears where the husband is um, living in understanding ways. That's verse seven. And where the wife is being subject and submitting to the husband is one that bears gospel fruit because both of them are clinging to the cross while they step in in their roles in marriage i love also um, when peter talks about this he references in verse six he references sarah and abraham and how how we belong like we're all children unto the lord but how really like this is our heritage and as clark and i parse that story out a little bit just between us it's like that's not exactly Hey, Kit, will you stop digging in the crayons for a second? (laughs) Okay, there we go. That's not exactly like, you know, A plus work here by Sarah and Abraham. It's actually like something that's like, oh, I don't know. Do we want to talk about Sarah and Abraham and like how they like managed this and their relationship? I I was trying to think through practically examples in our life of like where, how this worked, because I think there are sometimes there might be ladies out there like, I don't want to submit to my husband. Um, He doesn't know what he's doing in this certain area, whatever. And and one example from our life, I feel like Bobby lived this passage out really well is a couple years ago, she asked if if I would ever be interested in like homeschooling our children. And when she immediately said that, I I quickly responded, no, like not a chance. I remember. (laughs) And Bobby brought it back with like, well, I've actually prayed about this. I feel like the Holy Spirit's inviting us into this and we need to consider it. And I responded um, out of pride and arrogance and just kind of like, nope. I went to public school. Bobby went to public school. We have no understanding um, no experience, no one in our family was homeschooled, none of that. And, uh, and so uh, maybe a year, year and a half passed by and, uh, we continued to do what we were doing. We were sending our kids to other schools and the Holy Spirit continued to lift this in front of me during my quiet times and devotions. And at some point he made it very clear, it's a story for another time that this is what he was inviting our family into. And I remember driving home. <laughs> From Seal Beach Pier and meeting the Holy Spirit in a couple very clear ways. Yeah, I remember. And coming to you and saying, honey, I think we should revisit 
that whole conversation about homeschooling and you just looked at me and smiled and you're yeah. like, yeah, I think now's the time. And why I say this is because a number of women could have easily said, honey, I want to homeschool. And the husband says no, to which they would have responded. You're not home anyways. You're working. I feel like this is best for our family. Yeah. This is what I am going to do. And then moved on without the blessing of the husband. Where I want to bless you, Bobby, is that you were patient and gracious and you waited upwards of 18 months until yeah. I got my slow rear caught up to you in the spirit and was like, Bobby, I, I think that you're hearing correctly. I'm sorry that I'm taking so long. I think we need to do this. To which Bobby's like, yeah, let's do this. But you waited. Yeah. Um, you almost waited for the blessing of, of, of the husband, of me. It, you did. And that looking back now, I could see how maybe that might have been a, a long period of time just waiting, going, oh, my goodness, what's this going to look like? And yeah. is Clark going to figure this out? Is he going to – am I hearing correctly? And you could have just put the gas to the pedal and gone yeah. without me, and you didn't. Another kind of funny one is uh, sometimes this is what yeah. happens in our, our conversations. I think Bobby has great ideas. I, I'm moving. I move fast stuff quickly. I'm going 100 miles an hour, which is not good. And then down the road, I'll have this <laughs> brilliant idea to which I'll come to Bobby and say, "Hey, Bobby, I got an idea. We need to do this." To which That's Bobby so looks at me with, "I'm not sure how to describe the look." But I it's mean, like, I mean, either. Like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? I'm like, "What? What? What?" She's like, "I told you that like six months ago or two months ago." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that." The latest one was just a couple weeks ago. It was like, we're trying to grow plants at our house and we cannot grow plants like in our backyard. There's no spot where there's appropriate shade, um, sunlight, yada, yada. So eventually it hit me like, hey, there's a spot in the back of our house we could put a greenhouse up. So I came to Bobby really excited. Like, Bobby, for your birthday, we will get you a greenhouse. You can grow your own plants. I remember you looking at me dumbfounded. Like, are you serious? I presented this idea to you. I don't know how long long ago (laughs) was it. It would have been a while ago, yeah. And then to which... I must have given her 10 reasons why this was a bad idea. And, yeah, uh, and again, so funny. Bobby being patient, us working as a team, going back and forth. But a question to you, and we're doing this on the spot. What okay. advice would you give to women who are reluctant to submit to their husband? Here's the thing, you guys. Petition the Lord. Petition the Lord. Petition the Lord. Petition the Lord. So many times we realize that the issues that we have with our husbands, whether we're not on the same page or they're doing going left, you're going right, or whatever it is, um, is actually an issue unto you. You went to the Lord or him unto the Lord or both of you went to the Lord. So I would say, um, and that's, you know, that could be everyday things, you know, whether it's the house stuff and the work stuff or your schedule or, or, or it's big things like, Hey, what about this, you know, big purchase or what about this big idea or whatever it is? You got to petition the Lord, petition the Lord, petition the Lord. Here's the thing. Nobody in a marriage that is submitting unto the Lord wants to go alone. Mm-hmm. That's why you're in a marriage. You want to go together. And so I think that's why, whether it's, you know, a, a fun idea or it's something that you as, you know, 50% of the marriage really feels like the Lord's spoken or put something on your heart. Um, keep coming back to the Lord. And then the conversation, the Lord will make a way, whether it's like, I didn't even talk to Clark actually about home. That was all the Lord bringing that up. And so he's working on me as I'm petitioning him and he's working on Clark as, as Clark's wandering around and finding his way. Yeah. That would be, what would you say? What would you say? Just giving an encouragement to husbands and wives in this first section. Yeah. Of I would first say, Peter three. um, husbands were not to be domineering and we're not to be controlling and having our wives and children rule or be um, residing underneath like the thumb of our rule. Yeah. 
I think about what Jesus did for the church. Ephesians 5 talks about this, and he laid down his life, and he put his family, he put the bride of Christ ahead of himself to seek her well-being. And so, again, when I look at families and marriages I respect, there has not been one that I've seen a husband like work really hard, protect his family, date his wife, love his kids, be present where the wife did not want to sub- did not want to submit to her husband. Yeah. It was actually out of great joy. Yeah. And it was like a beautiful dance. You're almost like doing a tango and you know you're you're sure. bowing and twisting and turning and it's right. beautiful when it works together. If right. if one person though becomes controlling, that's where it becomes really difficult mm. to then trust God and say, All right, God, I'm gonna live right. unto you and trust that I'm living out my vows because I don't want to submit right now. Sure. And yet we do this because when you go back to Adam and Eve, you notice that Eve was pulled from Adam's side, not from his chest, not from his vertebrae, meaning that she's mm. not ahead of him. She's not behind him. She's right next to him. Yeah. And the scriptures are really clear that the husband is the head of the household and he needs to be the one who is guiding and shepherding and leading spiritually. It's not that um, other things can't happen in terms of roles in the home and who's doing the budget and all these things. Sure. But... um Spiritually, the husband's called to be the leader of the family. The wife is called to be submissive. And when it's done right and biblically, it's an incredible gift to which the husband, the wife, and the children will all thrive. And so as you keep yeah. going through this, like verse 7 kind of alludes to that from First Peter chapter 3. Husbands, in the same yeah. way, consider um, as you live with your wives and treat them respect as a weaker partner. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's talking about physically. They're physically right. weaker. They're not spiritually weaker. They're actually emotionally probably stronger. Oftentimes, and more aware, I would say, of mm-hmm. like what's happening within their heart and their feelings or emotions. Here's talking about physically. Case in point, when you look at what's happening now with the transgender conversation, specifically within sports, sure, it's an embarrassment to watch men join female sports and just shatter records. You watch these swimmers, right, it's an obvious physical wrestlers. Difference. Yeah. yeah, you're like, this is not even. This is not even entertaining. It's not funny. It's not cool. It's like this is not right. Yeah, because the male body is stronger. And so you have that in mind, but then you keep going, and he reminds us again that you are co-heirs. Mm-hmm. You're heirs together with this gracious gift of life, and nothing's going to hinder your prayers. And so I go back to the garden, Adam and Eve working and living and stewarding together, reigning and ruling in the name of Jesus together. And then verses 9 and 11 kind of transitions now to like, okay, now we're living our life out of the marriage into the world. What does that look like? And verses 9 and 11, 9, 10, 11 talk about you're going to be like experiencing hardship and pain. Here's how you should respond. Because the flesh, when it's slapped, wants to slap back. Mm -hmm. The flesh, when it's cursed, wants to curse back. Verse 9, it says really clearly, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you are called so that you may inherit Mm -hmm. a blessing. So God's saying when you follow Jesus and do what Jesus did, you're going to inherit a blessing. When people mm-hmm. mock you, ridicule you, mistreat you, but you follow the way of Jesus today, it's going to be this amazing gift. In verse 11, it says, they must turn from evil and do good. You must seek peace and pursue it. This is what we're called to do. And here's like the motivation behind this, because mm-hmm. you're going to stand before the Lord. And verse 12 says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So when I think about the context of this passage, like the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous wife who is struggling right now with Mm -hmm. a husband who is not godly, not um, making decisions that are beneficial for the family. Mm. Uh, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous husband who is trying to figure this out. And the wife is just trying to be controlling and domineering. 
the mm-hmm. eyes of the Lord on the righteous single person who has longings and dreams and desires that um, aren't quite fulfilled yet or might not be, and God has a different plan for their life. Mm-hmm. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he hears their prayers. And so that's just this is beautiful gift. And the reason why yeah. we do all of these things is verse 15. It's because of what mm-hmm. Jesus Christ has done. So yeah. you want to read verse 15 for sure. us? Sure. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. Hmm. Amen. That's really good. Yeah. So I think as you, maybe if in your marriage or interacting with people and they're like, why are you doing this? He's treating mm-hmm. you like that. What well, you should be getting back or go blow that credit card money and go shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, no, here's why I'm honoring yeah. my spouse. It's because of what Jesus does. I'm revering Christ as Lord. Right. And I'm honoring my spouse. Um, when if you're single, you're at work, your friend group, someone curses you, insults you. We're mm-hmm. revering Christ as Lord in our hearts, and we're ready to give an answer for why we're doing what we're doing. It's because yeah. Christ was betrayed, Christ was mistreated, and Christ saw Himself as a servant and mm-hmm. blessed and encouraged, died for His enemies, and uh, saw other people's well-being even when they didn't do that for Him. Mm. And uh, and so I guess anything there, or do you want to transition to the end of the chapter? Yeah, no, that's just really good. I didn't focus more on that. Yeah. Okay. Verses good. like nineteen and twenty. Um, I just want to pastorally speak to this because you might not yeah. sh- be sure what to do with it. Verse eighteen actually says, "Christ suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits." To those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And only a few people ate and all were saved through it. Now water symbolizes baptism, now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What this is mm. speaking to you right now is actually a time, most people believe, in between the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. If you go back to the earlier forms of the Apostles' Creed, it talks about like when yeah. he was uh, suffered the pain of hell, died, and was buried. Some versions say he descended into hell. Right. And this is one of the passages that says that. And we're not sure why he descended into hell. We're not sure what that means. As I read it, what comes to my heart is I think that he descended into hell to make proclamation to the demonic. And it's not he's not evangelizing to them to save them. He's, he's actually proclaiming judgment, saying, mm. death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. Hmm. You are wretched and evil. You have lost. And one day I will come again to fully restore all things. And to the lake of fire, all of you will go. And the reason why I think Peter references the times of Noah is because in the early church, and we should do a better job of this today, you go back to the beginning of Genesis, there are some odd things happening that make us uncomfortable. We're not sure what to deal with. talks about things like Nephilim. It talks about how like the fallen sons are... um, marrying women and having children. And you're like, wait, what was this talking about? Right. And it seems that there is some odd relationship between the demonic and human that is wretched, perverted, and evil. Mm -hmm. And what Jesus has gone down to tell these spirits who had caused pain and evil in this world, you've lost. Yeah. And that's why he's referring back to Noah and that Genesis like six through Genesis 11. That's why Philippians 2, it talks about how every knee will hit the ground. Every tongue will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord yep. on the earth, in the earth, mm-hmm. under the earth. He's talking about those spirits that he spoke to going, you are done. Right. And it's because of what I've done. And then he uses the water symbology of washing away of sin that we talk about in baptism. 
and the repentance that the Holy Spirit brings to our heart and the new life that's ours in Christ. And that's it. Amen. So good. I love, I think that's why when the chapter ends that way too, it's just like referring to that. Okay. <laughs> so it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. So the, the highest place of privilege and sovereignty with angels, authorities, and powers having been subject to him. Yep. So just ending that way also like, hey, just so you know, yep, it's to give us freedom and forgiveness from sins, but also it's because this is the champion of heaven here. This is Jesus Christ. This is the king of kings. This is the guy. And and he's our guy um, when we when we respond and say yes to his yes. So, hey, okay, Kit, you got something you want to say? <laughs> He's been waiting patiently on my knee the last eight minutes. Do you want to tell a verse or the books of the Bible or anything? Nope. Maybe just a God bless you? All right, that's it. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Just a reminder, you have prayer and worship tonight. You're all invited, and uh, we'll be back with you on Friday. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.